So we just, not just, it was a few weeks ago. We just did the yearly thing where we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And it is so worth celebrating, amen? Man, man come on, man. <laughs> I'll say that again. I'll try that again. I'll rewind. We just celebrated the birth, the birth, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it is so worth celebrating, right? And at the cross, Jesus purchased something for us. He made us, or God made us co-heirs with Jesus. So we have an inheritance. We have the same inheritance that Jesus has. I'm, I'm getting like blank stares here. And like one person clapping. You know why? It's because we don't understand what that inheritance is. So that just kind of just goes over our head. We're just like, oh, cool. We have an inheritance. Cool. Like, it's cool. It's like, you know, being, being the child of a billionaire. And you have all this inheritance available to you, but you've just not accessed it. If I come and tell you, yo, you have an inheritance. You look at me and be like, but why do I live in a shack? You won't be excited. Because you've never learned to, one, value it. Two, access it. Three, understand it in whatever order. Probably understand it first. So the reason why we're not excited about the inheritance that we have in Jesus is because we don't understand it. We don't know what it is. We don't know its value. We're going to talk about it. This is what Romans 8, 16 to 17 says. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are, we are his children, we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Sheesh. If needed, we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We share in God's glory. We share in the suffering, yes so that we may share in his glory. So what is this inheritance that God gave us? Number one, the inheritance is undisturbed, uninterrupted. What's another word? Adj or synonym. Sorry? Unhindered access to God the Father. We no longer have to be separated from God. That is part of your inheritance. You have, the Bible says, to come boldly to the throne of grace. We have, guys, we have access to God the Father, the creator of the universe. The one who said, let there be light and light was. The one who said, let there be lights, and light was. The one who said, let there be lights, with his words, and light was. The one who created everything that we experience. The one who put limitations to the sea, told the sea, don't move, and the sea didn't move. 
The one who told the sun, hey, this is when you're going to rise and this is when you're going to set. The one who put a difference between the sun and the moon. The one who created oxygen. The one who fearfully and wonderfully made you. We get to call him Father. That one. We have unhindered access to the Father. And he says, come, 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 come to me. Come talk to me. Come sit with me. Come hear from me. Come let me tell you the secrets of my heart. Come, let me deal with the pain of your heart. See that depression right there? That's not your portion. I'm, I, I am your portion. I am the Prince of Peace. And I'm fully giving myself to you. That is your inheritance. I've made a way for you to be provided for. That is your inheritance. I am your provision, says God. Number two. He died to hand us back the authority that Adam lost. That is part of your inheritance. In Genesis, we know that God gave Adam and Eve authority. All authority. He said, hey man, be fruitful and, and multiply. Have dominion. And then the snake came up to Eve and Adam. I was like, yo, let me talk to you, sweet. Let me talk to you, girl. You know, let me just, let me just whisper something in your ear. Did God really say... And Eve got weak in the knees. So I'm joking. <laughs> Did God really say? And in that moment, both Adam and Eve handed their God-given authority to Satan. But what Jesus did at the cross is Jesus ripped it right away. Right, he took it right back from him. So that he would hand it to us. This is what the scripture says. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all, all. You guys want to know what that word means, like all in Greek means? Everything. All. 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 Everything. Not some, not a piece, but all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. To Jesus. And this is what he also says. Look, this is in Luke 10, 19. I have given I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. You guys want to know what that word all means again? everything, all, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken everything, all all authority has been given to you that is your portion that is your inheritance, if you are a child of God, you are co-heir with Christ and he has all authority and he has given you all authority so that depression, those suicidal thoughts, that, that lust issue anything that is bothering you right now you my friend have all authority over it it's already been given to you it's already been your freedom, it's already been purchased for you and what the enemy does, he comes to lie to you and he says, did God really do it? it's just the way that you are you will never get over 
fill in the blank. You will always struggle with. It's a lie. It's a lie. And it comes from the author of lies, who's Satan. Number three, he died to give us a hope and a future. That is your inheritance. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you know, I said this in first service, do you know that you are God's dream come true? Do you know that you are God's dream come true? Let me prove it to you. This is what he tells Jeremiah. Before you were conceived, I knew you. How is that possible? Because God knew Jeremiah in his mind, in his heart. So God dreamt of Jeremiah and he came to be. So God, before you were even conceived, dreamt of you and you came to be. So you, my friend, are God's dream come true. You in your fullness, with some of your weaknesses, with your strengths, you are a masterpiece. He calls you masterpiece. You know, he looks at you and says, sheesh. Snap, I did well with this one. No, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I, I know, says God, the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a, a hope and a future. See, I'm a father of three, I've said it. You know, even before my, my son was born, my children were born, I had dreams for them. And they were good. I was like, you know what? They're going to play music. They're going to be really good. They're going to be really smart. In my mind, I've already like kind of planned like their education. This is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to be. You know, just like just really good dreams. Now, how awful would it be if my dreams for my children was, you know what? You're going to suck. You're going to be horrible. You will achieve nothing. You will amount to nothing. I will not be there for you. Thank you. Yeah, plug your ears. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> How awful would that be? Right? Would I be a good father? Absolutely not. Then why do we believe in the back of our minds somewhere that God does not have good plans for us? Plans to, plans to prosper us? He's not here to give us a hope and a future. You know, we say stuff like, well, you know, it's just the way life is. Well, you know, God, you give and you take away. Blessed be your name. Well, God, you know. As opposed to knowing the character of our father and knowing your inheritance, knowing your portion, is that in the middle of trial, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I walk through. I'm not making my bed in it because I know that I serve a God who has a hope and a future for me. 
plans to establish me, plans to prosper me. So I hang on to the promise. I hang on to what God says. I don't look at my circumstances, but I remember what the Father I says. I remember what the Father I said. I remember who my Father is, because He has dreams for my life. It is my portion. It is my inheritance. And that's why David said, I am convinced that I will see, convinced, I am persuaded that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sheesh. It is that attitude that we need to have in remembering our inheritance that even though we may be facing storms and trials and tribulations, that we have a father that sees us and knows us the word, the Bible says in Psalm 139, that his thoughts towards us outnumber the sand of the seashore. And one of the exercises that I like to do is I just imagine myself picking a handful of sand, just a handful of sand, and letting the sand run through my fingers and try to count the sand. Thank you. (laughs) That is falling through my fingers. It's impossible. God's thoughts towards us outnumber the sand in the seashore. Outnumber them. And those thoughts are good. They are good. He does not have a bad thought about you. No matter what you've done, I'm going to emphasize this. And I feel like there's some people who are under the power of shame and condemnation because of mistakes that you've made. And you feel like you've walked away from God for too long and God cannot love you. And you are here it's almost like your last, God, let me just, last hope, last chance. I'm here. I may not fully give my heart to God or give myself to God because God, I feel like I'm too dirty to be loved. But God says, you are here because he drew him, drew, drew you to himself. And his thoughts towards you are good. <laughs> when you were sleeping around, his thoughts towards you were so good. When you were smoking that joint, his thoughts towards you were so good. When you were drunk, his thoughts towards you were so good. When you were cussing out your neighbor, your parents, your whoever it was, his thoughts towards you were so good. His love for you is not dependent on your behavior. It is unmovable, unshakable. He loves you regardless of what you've done that is your inheritance that is your portion I must move on says God you know what let me put everyone close their eyes just bow your head Father in this moment I ask Lord that you would give all of us a fresh revelation of your love God the Lord that we would know that your unconditional love is part of our inheritance. When we become children of God, you lavish your love on us. It is unconditional. And we we enter into this love relationship, God. That no matter what we do, your love just doesn't change, doesn't move, doesn't like just... So God, where our hearts has, has, 
have believed the opposite. God, I ask, Lord, that you would persuade us by your kindness. It is your love and kindness that brings us to repentance. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would persuade us with your love and kindness to repent for not believing in your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we have a little bit of an issue. We have an inheritance. But we do have a little bit of an issue. We have this, this, this person here who right from the beginning um, was just angry with us, <laughs> jealous of us, and not wanting us to prosper. And hated the fact, and hates the fact that we are made in the image of God. So he's out to destroy us. So if you grew up in church, you know the story. We're going to turn to Genesis 25, um, 27 and 34. It's the story of two brothers, two twin brothers, Esau and Jacob. And there were twins. And this is what the word says. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoors man. I read that like a Toronto man. <laughs> but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Son, if you want me to love you more, bring me meat. <laughs> I, I kid, I joke, I joke. <laughs> One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau says to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his name, Edom, which means red. <laughs> just laugh because we know the end of the story, but it's just bad to be, to be named after your mistake. Literally, Esau was named after his mistake. Yo, red, red, my youth, come. <laughs> All right, Jacob replied, Betray me the rights of your first son. Look, I'm dying, your firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear to your, swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his right as a firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his birthright. Another birthright. Another version said that he despised his birthright. Now, we may not understand what his birthright was. So what Esau gave up was this one. He gave up the right to be the head of the family, and he would have charge of all the family property all the family property. So let's take this in. Abraham, the Bible says, was wealthy. He passed that on to Isaac, who was also wealthy. I'm talking about like Cakin. And that would have passed on to Esau. He would have had the right to inherit all of that. But my man, see, as I was reading this, we have, we have the privilege of reading this story from like the end, because we know how the story ends. So I know how the story ends. So as I'm reading this, I'm in full-on judgment. I'm like, Esau, 
brother Esau. Brother. Ah, <laughs> Esau. Why would you? How can you give up your birthright for some salty water? Some chicken noodle soup? Like some stew. I understand that you were hungry. But do you not understand what was coming your way? May I suggest that he didn't. And hence why it's absolutely important to understand what your inheritance is or else you'll trade it in for chicken noodle soup. (laughs) It is crazy, Esau. He would have been responsible for the welfare of his younger sons, the widows and the unmarried daughters. Esau would have exercised considerable authority over the other family members. Basically, he would have have been the man. He traded that in for chicken noodle soup. It wasn't chicken noodle soup. Not even a soda on the side. (laughs) For a bowl of stew. And more importantly, he traded and he would have been the heir to the covenant between God and Abraham. Because what God told Abraham said, I'm making a covenant with you and your descendants. With you and those who come after you. And he traded that in for a bowl of stew. I have a story for you guys. My son's sitting right here. There are times where, there was a time where I was meditating on like scripture and it was all about like heaven. It was all about like just experiencing heaven, Isaiah 6, Revelation. And, and I didn't really talk about it with, with anybody, like with some friends, with my wife. And then one day my son comes to me, Zara comes to me and he says, hey dad. I say, hey son. He goes, dad, I saw heaven. I'm like, what do you mean you saw heaven? So, well, he's here. On the inside of me, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I saw heaven. He goes, you know what I saw? I'm like, what did you see? He goes, well, I saw God. He was sitting on the throne and it looked like he was floating. And he was there. And then an angel came to me. And he said to me that God is the only one worthy to be sitting on that throne. And I was like, okay, cool. I thought one of two things. Either he's reading Revelations or he, or he really did see heaven. Either or, I'm happy. But then it dawned on me. The Spirit of the Lord started to speak to me. He said this, Samuel, what you meditate on, your seed lives out. What you've meditated on, your seed is living out. Scripture. Hebrews talks about uh, Abraham and Levi. So Abraham is Levi's great, great, great grandpa. So three generations there. It was Abraham, Isaac, it should have been Esau. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then Levi. Bolus too. All for the chicken noodle soup. It should have been anyways. And Scripture says this in Hebrews that 
it was as if it was talking about tithe. When Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek, a few hundred years, probably like a thousand years, I don't know how many years ago, it was as if Levi gave the tithe because a- Levi was in Abraham's bosom. bosom. Levi was a seed yet to come, but he benefited from the action of his great, 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 however, however many great parents. So what we do right now, what we do today is not just for us. It is not just your life, but there is a whole lineage depending on your obedience to God. There is a whole generation that is, that is, that is praying, that is, that is, it is depending on you not to trade in your birthright for a bowl of stew. See, Esau had a mind for the now. He's like, I'm hungry now. I am thirsty. I want food. Everything is. And he lacked understanding of the one of what his inheritance was, and two, what it would mean for his lineage. But Jacob knew. Even though he snaked, he knew. Even though he cheated, he knew. Sucks because they kind of set him up from birth. Because his name meant deceiver. I mean, imagine, imagine, imagine naming, <laughs> naming your child deceiver. Hey, deceiver! Hey, come here, deceiver! <laughs> I don't know how that one works. Hey, deceiver! <laughs> right? <laughs> but he was set up from the, from the get-go anyways. See, it's easy for us to get in judgment, for me to get in judgment, and look at Esau and be like, for a chicken noodle soup, but how many times have I been tempted to trade in my birthright, to trade in my peace for a bowl of stew, for temporary fulfillment? How many times have I been tempted to trade in my peace for worry, my inheritance? for worry. How many times have I been tempted to trade in who will say that? How many times have I been tempted to trade in the sexual health of my children for a temporary fix? I wouldn't do that. And you may feel like what you're watching, what you're touching, what you're thinking about just affects you. But may I suggest to you that Satan is not just after you. He is not just after you. He is after you, but he knows that if he can get you, he's getting your children, your children's children, your children's children's children, your children's children. It's a whole lineage. Hence why he's coming after you so hard. He wants to steal your authority. He wants to steal your inheritance. He wants to rob it from you. So how does he do it? Let's look at Luke 4, verse 1 to 13. Here's a question. And the setup of this is um, Jesus 
goes and, and sees, finds John the Baptist. John the Baptist, that's the name, is baptizing people. And Jesus comes and says, okay, I need to get baptized. John the Baptist says, whoa, no, I won't do it because I'm not worthy to even touch your sandals. Jesus says, listen, it must be done because I said so. This is a sandal king version. So John the Baptist takes Jesus, puts him underwater, baptizes him. The sky splits open. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord descends like a dove and you hear the audible voice of the Father that says, this is my son. This is my beloved son. He brings me great joy and in him I am well pleased. Fast forward. We find ourselves in Luke 4. The Bible says, chapter 1, verse 1, pardon me. Then Jesus, full of the Spirit, Returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Just Jesus ate nothing at all that time and he became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stones to become a loaf of bread. Then Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. I will give you the glory of these kingdom and authority over to, I will give you the glory of these kingdom and the and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give. Remember how Adam gave it to Satan? So Satan was lying. To anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will just worship me. That's it. Just worship me. That's all you got to do. Just bow your knee to me. Worship me. And I will give you all these things. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order the angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded. The scripture also says, you, mun, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil was finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So number one, everyone say number one. What Satan does is he makes you question the rhema word of God. Rhema means, my son asked, Rhema means what? Rhema means the word of God that is made real to you. What he has spoken to you. He makes you question it. Why do I say this? Remember the baptism? What did God say over Jesus? You are my beloved son. And what's the first thing that comes out of Satan's mouth? If you are the son of God temptation. Second thing, if you are, you say that you are, if you are the son of God, if you are the, see Satan will always come to challenge what you've heard from God, what the Lord has spoken to you, what the Lord has promised you because he knows that if he challenges the word of God over your life, he destabilizes you. And if you are destabilized, you don't really know where you're left and right from, he can easily trick you. You don't know the value of the word. See, I am, I am, I'm one of 14 kids. I have seven sisters. See, my, my sister that comes right before me is six years older than me. And 
you know, during Christmas or like, you know, if you had, you had an uncle that would come over and auntie that would come over and if you were cute or if you danced or like, you know, that's, well, African culture, this is what would happen. You would have a party and your parents will call you over and be like, why don't you dance? And then you dance and then literally you entertain the adults, you dance and then they give you money. Sounds worse as I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> but that's what would happen. So, you know, the aunties will give you money, the uncles will give you money. And maybe throw you like a $50, $100. So I had my sister, God bless her soul. Because I was young, I didn't really understand the value of a $50 bill. So she would come to me and be like, okay, Samuel, I will give you four of these if you give me one of yours. I'll give you four of these. And they were all like $1 bills. And lo and behold, me, little Samuel, what would I do? I would take four. Why? Because I did not understand the value of what I had. So I easily traded it in for something of less value. I thought that the four was more valuable than the one. But if I understood the value of the one, I would have looked at her and said, listen, man, that's $50, that's $4, that ain't happening. So what Satan does, he comes to make us believe that the four is more valuable than the one. Number two, he appeals to the longing of our flesh. Turn this rock into bread. See, Jesus was hungry. He was thirsty, he was hungry. And Satan knew the flesh, Jesus' flesh had a desire. He said, if you are the son of God, why don't you satisfy your flesh? You have the power to do it. In this moment, satisfy the flesh. You know what? Doesn't God say that he's going to forgive you? Go ahead and click it. Satisfy the flesh. You know what? Doesn't God say he's going to forgive you? Go ahead and call that number. You know, you have a niche. Just scratch it. God will forgive you. Doesn't, doesn't God see he's going to forgive you? Yeah, you know what? Just, just lie a little bit on that resume. Doesn't God see he's going to forgive you? Just use chat GPT to, to write that essay. satisfy the longing of the flesh because he knows that if we give in to wanting to satisfy the longing of the flesh he'll do just that you know what yeah yeah take the bread take the four think of the now take the chicken noodle soup take the stew and give me your birthright Bible says this in James that we are tempted by the desires of our own heart. And unless we deal with some of the woundings and the hurt and the the wrong appetites in our heart, we set ourselves up to be bait by Satan. Bait for Satan. I love my son. He keeps me honest. He's like, what does that mean? You're not making sense. Explain it to me. Number three, 
He will offer you the promise without process. He will offer you the promise without process. Listen, the Bible says that Satan took Jesus to a high point and he said, you see all of this, all this kingdom, it's mine, which is right. I'll give it to you. I will give you all these things. What your heart desires, what your flesh desires, what you feel like should be yours, I'll give it to you. I'll give you authority over all these kingdoms. See, the interesting thing is, is this, is Jesus went through the process and he received from the Father all authority in and on earth. What Satan was saying, the kingdoms of earth. He's saying, settle for less, I'll give you authority for the kingdoms of the earth. All you got to do is just bow your knee to me. See, he offered Jesus what seemed like what Jesus came for, for without the process, without the cross, without the suffering. And he will often do that to us. He'll come to us and be like, hey, you know what? You don't have to do things God's way. Just, just smudge here, cheat here. Erase that thing, lie here, and you'll get what you're supposed to get anyways. You know, I was talking, I was talking to a friend, and this friend broke my heart. And I kind of kind of a little bit grew up in the faith with this friend. And this friend started down this journey of saying, Hey, you know what? The Bible doesn't say that premarital sex is a sin. And took out, try to take out scriptures and try to take out this, try to take out that. This is what the word says, so on and so forth. Just as long as you're two consenting adults who love. And it broke my heart. No matter what we brought, like I brought a scripture, she just didn't want anything to, to do with it. And I realized in that moment that the enemy was after her inheritance once again. And he did that, appealed to the desires of her flesh. And was like, you know what? I'll give you what you want without the proper process. Just give me your birthright. Just trade in your inheritance. Which is sexual wholeness. Not just for you, but for your children, for your children's children, for your children's children, and so on and so forth. See, the enemy doesn't play fair. He knows that if he gets you, he gets your seed. He knows that if he can get you to give your bowl of, or to give your inheritance for momentary, temporary pleasure, it affects your lineage and those who are to come after you. And number four, he will twist the word of God to get us, to get us to do things his way. And that's why you have people who use the word of God to sanction all kinds of behavior. You know, abortion was once, uh, sorry, slavery was once sanctioned by the word of God. Was once used, the word of God was once used to, to, to make people believe that slavery was right. Because Satan will always twist the word of God. Did God really say You know what God said? God said that 
if you throw yourself off of this cliff, his angels will catch you. And hence why it's important for us to know the word of God and not just out of context, but in context. So when the deceiver comes and have discernment, we can discern the spirit behind the word. So we don't trade in our birthright. Luke 4.14 says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. See, the reason why I really believe that the Lord gave us this word this morning is because of this. After the desert, the Bible says that Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Going into the desert, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Read it, it's in your word. Coming out of the desert, he was filled of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of the Lord wants to fill his church with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord wants to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. The Spirit of the Lord wants to fill His church with the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be a sign and a wonder. He wants you to walk out the fullness of what God purchased on the cross. He wants you to heal the blind eyes. He wants you to raise the dead. He wants you to cast out devil. Because that is your portion. That is your inheritance. And that is what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in this day. But in order for that to happen, we must be sure not to trade in our inheritance for a bowl of stew. For temporary, immediate, false pleasures. And we all know what they are. For some of us, it's super obvious. It's right there. No, it was this morning. Last night. And for others, you're right here, you're kind of racking your brain. It's like, no, you know, I'm all right. That suggests to you, this is the time where you start to talk about, talk with the Holy Spirit and ask him, are there areas in my life where I am trading in what is rightfully mine for temporary, immediate gratification. Have I taken on worry because worry feels more familiar to me than asking God for his peace? How do we do it? How do we make sure that we do not trade in our inheritance? See, verse 1 said this, first and foremost, well, well, before verse 1, when Jesus was being baptized, when he's baptized, you hear the Father speak. So Jesus had an encounter with God. So the first thing to be able to survive in the season is you need to live a lifestyle of encounter that solidifies your identity. Look at the desert experience in Luke 4. Satan comes and says, if you're the son of God, Jesus doesn't even pay mind, any mind to that. He doesn't even respond to it. He says, 
And then he comes again. If you are the son of God, you want to know why? Because he had an encounter that solidified his identity. So that wasn't even an issue. If you want to make sure that you don't trade in your inheritance, your 50 for four, you have to make sure that you are constantly, continually in a place of encounter with God where you hear his voice where he speaks over you. Number two. The Bible says in verse one that he was filled with the spirit of God. See, there's a difference between the anointing in you and the anointing on you. The anointing on you is for the sake of others. We see this with um, Saul. God rejected Saul, but yet we saw Saul prophesying amongst the prophets. Because the spirit came on him. So God can be on something, but not in something. God was on the donkey that spoke, but wasn't in the donkey that spoke. Right? So there's an anointing. There's a difference between the anointing in someone and the anointing on someone. The anointing in you perfects you and causes you to be like Christ. So in this season, we need to cry out just like David cried out. So God, search me and know me in Psalm 139. And let me know if I'm walking on any pathways of pain. God, heal my heart. Because you know what? A wounded heart. I was going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, a wounded heart does stupid things. It is. A wounded heart is irrational. I remember this example with Pastor Jair talks about have you ever tried to get close to a wounded dog that thing will bite your hand off because it thinks that you're out it's, it's wounded it thinks that you're out to hurt it and the wounded heart is the same thing when your heart is wounded and you live with wounding you do irrational things and this season is the season where we need to bring our hearts to the Lord and say God heal my heart Make me whole because I don't want to trade in what is rightfully mine, which is wholeness, freedom, for a bowl of stew, for the temporary, for the right to be angry, for the right for vengeance, for the right, for the right to. But God, I want the fullness of what you have for me. Number three, scripture says that he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the desert but he was led by the Spirit. In order for us to remain in a place or to, to, to not trade in our inheritance, we need to be people who are led by the Spirit of God and trust the Spirit of God to lead us. Even if he is leading us into the desert because after the desert, there's power. Some of us have avoided the desert because we're afraid of what will happen in the desert. Because we're afraid that, our, that we're going to die. Because we don't want to submit our flesh to the will of God. We've been disobedient. We've refused to be led by the Spirit. Because we're like, God, that looks like the desert. I'm not going there. I know I'm going to be tempted. I don't want to do this. And we have stunted our growth. 
May I suggest to you this morning that you have not just stunted your growth, but you've also stunted the growth of those who are supposed to come before you. See, I am the manifestation of other people's obedience. I am standing here because other people before me obeyed God. I'm standing here because dad obeyed God and raised godly children. I'm standing here because Pastor Brendan obeyed God. I'm standing here because Pastor Paul Uke, 35 years ago, obeyed God. I'm standing here because my mama, my pops obeyed God. What you do affects generations to come. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Are there areas of my life where I've traded in my inheritance, my portion for momentary, temporary pleasures? Father, in this place we humbly come to you and we repent, God. We repent for not valuing our inheritance, for not knowing the value of what you've purchased on the cross for us, God. God, I repent. I repent for living below what you've given me, for settling, Father, for the bowl of stew because my flesh was crying out because I was worried, because I was scared, because, 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 and not trusting you at your word, God, partnering with the enemy. God, I repent. God, I ask, God, that you would help me trust you, that you would help us trust you, Father, with our lives, that, Lord, that we would be people who want, who live out of a place of encounter, that we would be people who are full of the spirits not afraid of your searching gaze God that God that we would just like David cry out God search me and know me 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 let me know if I'm walking any pathway of pain and God I pray Lord that we would be people who are led by your spirit that we would listen to the leading of your spirit in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So it would be criminal, criminal of me to talk about inheritance, to talk about God, and, and not give an opportunity for people to become children of God. The Bible says this, that we were separated and dead in our transgression because of the choices of our ancestors. See, Adam and Eve chose the bowl of stew and set all of us up for a lifetime separation with God. 
But the good news is this, is that Jesus came and he redeemed us. He died so that we could have relationship with God, so that we could have this inheritance that allows us to have eternal life. So if you are in this place and you've never made Jesus Lord over your life, and Lord simply means this, your will, your way, your word over my own. I submit my thought pattern, my action, everything to you. If you're in this place, you've never made Jesus Lord over your life, or you did, there was a time where you did, but somehow you decided to take back lordship and do things your own way. All eyes closed, head bowed. Can you just slip your hand up? I would love to pray for you. Give you a Bible. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Awesome. So we're all going to pray this prayer together. And those who've raised your hand um, after service, you are, if you don't mind, we want to pray with you and give you a Bible and just make sure that we follow up with you. If you raise your hand, can you please go see, everyone can open your eyes. Can you go see uh, that gentleman right there, Daniel? Can you just wave at us? And he will be at the front right here waiting for you after service. And we'd love to pray with you. So everybody, let's pray this prayer together. So Father, I thank you for making a way for me to belong in your family. Today, I repent of my sin, which is not to do things your way. God, I invite you to be Lord over my life. God, I invite you to rule in my life. God, I submit my will, my thoughts, my ways to you. Have dominion in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.